what do Christadelphians believe? Um, first um, um, question, who are Christadelphians? Um, we are a, a group of Bible-believing um, Christians. We take our, all our beliefs from um, the Bible, the Word of God. Just to give you a bit of context, um, the, the group actually originated um, from a man called John Thomas, um, um, during sort of 1805 um, to 1871. He was a man just like any, anyone else um, today. And following a near shipwreck, um, he vowed to find out the truth about God through his personal Bible study in the sort of 1800s in that time. He isn't worshipped by Christadelphians, but his beliefs are based on the Bible alone as the guide, as the message from God. The name Christadelphians um, means brethren in Christ, brethren and sisters in Christ. It's a group of people um, that meet together um, as Christadelphians. And the name was chosen and um, it was sort of registered or to enable registration as conscientious objectors in the American Civil War to stop um, a Christadelphian fighting against his brother, if you like, um, so they wouldn't um, get into that situation. Um, but that's how the name originated. And as I say, tonight is really um, one how you might get um, one response um, to um, someone who um, is a Christadelphian. Now, um, Christadelphians, we have a statement of faith um, which lists um, some of the um, or lists the faith which binds us together in fellowship. And tonight, um, hopefully, we'll give an overview of um, our key beliefs. Um, and um, I'm sure any Christadelphian would be happy to, to talk further about our Bible-based beliefs. And, but what I'd like to do is to start at a verse in Ephesians, oh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 4. Um, Paul wrote to the Ephesians. We, we take our beliefs from the Bible. That's what we're going to do tonight. We can um, look at, um, it's called the Birmingham Amended Statement of Faith, to identify um, the doctrines or the teachings that we believe in. But I'd just like to take this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, and four to six, because this passage lists seven um, aspects of the things Christadelphians believe in. It's almost like a mini statement of faith um, what, of what we believe straight from the word of God. So just having a look at those verses together, what does that tell us? It says there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So th there's a number of things listed there, and I've just put them here, you see, on this grid. Um, I don't know if you can see them and that well. I'll just remove that out of the way. Um, but you can see the, the, the seven items listed there, which we're going to have a look at tonight. You can see there's a couple of extras I've added on in blue, which really relate to the one hope aspect, um, and that's sin and death and the kingdom of God. So those, um, I, we're going to have a, a bit of a look through these items tonight. So we're going to start with one God, and it makes sense. Can we all turn to the beginning of the Bible and open the first page of your Bible, please? And here we're going to look at um, um, God. So the first part of it, uh, as we read, he, God is the father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And we're going to read Genesis chapter one and just look at the first verse. It says, in the beginning, God created 
the heaven and the earth. And then verse three, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that God is a creator. He's a supernatural being, isn't he? Um, from, from verse one, he created the heaven and the earth. And then in verse three, we're told that he said something. And verse four, he saw something. And in verse five, he calls um, light day. So he's a supernatural being um, and he's able to speak, see and name things. His word contains power. Um, and we could look at Genesis chapter one and it catalogues all of the creation um, from um, what God made in those um, six days. We're not going to look at it in detail, but it culminates. Just have a look in verse um, 27. Where we're going to have a look now um, and we read there. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So that's quite an important verse. It tells us that we, or man, men, men and women, we're created in the image of God. Um, that's an important sort of starting point. But just to expand briefly on, on who God is, just a couple of additional Bible verses here. One from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. Um, this is New Testament. And as Christadelphians, we believe in the Old and New Testaments. Um, we take our beliefs from both Old and New. And in Timothy here, we read that, um, um, and Paul writes, Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. So that tells us a little bit about God. He's eternal. He's immortal, no beginning or end. He cannot be seen by us and he's full of wisdom. And um, he is the creator, as we've seen from Genesis 1. Then another um, passage in the Old Testament, a key passage here um, from Genesis, oh, sorry, Exodus, the second book of the Bible, chapter 34, when God reveals a bit about his name or his character to a man called Moses. And what does he say? He passes before him and he proclaims the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty. And we can sort of um, carry on reading that verse, can't we? But there we see um, about the character of God. He's merciful. He shows mercy and he suffers long, but he also brings judgment on the guilty. And it's quite interesting that God reveals his character. And the more we could look at lots of other places in the Bible to just add to this picture of, of who God is. But really, there is one God. And this is um, what we learn about God. Um, he is he's a wonderful creator. And, and we're told a bit about his character in these um, passages. So let's just move on then to the next part, the next aspect, and that is um, the one spirit. Um, and to explore this further, I'd like us to just go back to Genesis chapter one, please. And we did skip over this verse, but we're going to read it now. After God created the heaven and the earth, verse two, what does that say? It says, and the earth 
was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So that uses that idea of, of spirit there. And um, this word spirit conveys the meaning of, of wind, of breath or of mind. And we, we understand it to be the power of God. Um, the spirit of God was right there in the beginning and it was upon the face of the waters. And it is um, representative of God's creative power. Just to sort of add to that, if you go to Genesis chapter two and verse seven, what do we read there? Um, it sort of expands upon God creating man. In verse seven, it says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So you see how um, God's spirit is used in the creation it's his breath um, that was breathed into the dust of the ground and when god breathed into um, the dust here it formed a living soul and um, we have the creation here of adam being identified to us so we can see how god's spirit links very strongly with his creative power in, involved in creating adam right at the beginning so it's his breath it's his mind or it's his power and there's a verse in, in the Bible that says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So what else is this one spirit about then? Well, um, we've established that God's spirit was present um, um, at the beginning and God's spirit was used to um, create. Um, and we, we, we'll go to our second um, passage here. Um, I'll put it on the screen here, but we, we're going to take um, a look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And here we um, read about gifts that were given in helping to establish um, the first century church. And to help in that establishment, God um, gave gifts or, or gifts were given um, um, to help that happen. And 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, we read this. God hath set some in the church, firstly apostles, secondarily prophets. Thirdly, teachers after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities or lots of different kinds of tongues or languages. So you can see there how um, the, this spirit or this power was then used to help in the establishment of the church. But then if you carry on reading in, in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 8, we read there that love or charity, charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but then when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So that sort of um, says that, you know, um, these gifts weren't going to last forever. Um, God's um, spirit, this one spirit, we, we, we call it the Holy Spirit gifts. Um, it was used to help establish a church, but they haven't they didn't last um, forever in helping that happen because something else was to come along. And another very important um, Bible verse and to put alongside that is 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And um, I'm going to read it. Um, it is there on the screen for you. That, that's from the English Standard Version. 
Um, and it's always good to check your Bibles um, to see what it says. I'm going to read it here from the King James Version. Um, all scripture, or all, all the word of God, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And you notice there in the English Standard, Standard Version, it sort of said it, it, for the, the idea for being for inspiration of God, it's breathed out by God. So that's really quite fascinating how, how we have God's spirit being used right in the beginning to breathe into the dust and to create a living soul. And God's one spirit, his Holy Spirit is used in helping to establish um, the first century church. But of course, God's spirit, that same spirit that was used in the creative the creative um, start of the Bible in the beginning is before us on our laps if we have a Bible. Uh, and that's quite incredible. The Bible is our guide. And that's why our key teachings are based solely on the word of God, because it is God's spirit. It is breathed words. And that is quite um, fascinating and, um, and powerful to us all. So um, the next um, part, we're going to have to go right back to Genesis. Um, right back to Genesis in chapter two um, and to carry on um, our thoughts, really, where we think about sin and death. Um, and we're going to read a few Bible um, passages, Genesis 2, 16 and 17. What do we read there? The Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. In the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So it's a clear command from God to um, Adam in, in the garden. You shouldn't eat um, of this tree because then you're going to die if you do. Um, so Genesis chapter three, verse six and seven. What happened when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat and the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together <coughs> and made themselves aprons so the result of um that what we see that they disobeyed god um god's commandment was to not eat of it yet adam or eve and then adam both ate of it um they were, were taken away with it and then we have this um, phrase you might, might have heard of from verse 19 um, that there was a punishment as a result of this sin and the end of that verse it says from dust thou art or you're from the dust and you're going to return to the dust we've just seen how God created Adam from the ground he breathed into him but because of sin they uh, Adam was to go back to the dust at the end um, that really um, is what happened there and just to um, carry on, we might ask ourselves, well, what happens when you die then? And what happens after? Um, and we know that as in, there's a, sorry, there's a passage that says, as in Adam all die um, in 1 Corinthians 15. And everyone sins. So we're all in this situation. We're all from the dust and we're going to return to the dust like, like Adam did. Um, so we're just going to pick up um, one, a few verses here in Ecclesiastes in chapter 9. Because it helps to answer the question of what happens when we die in Ecclesiastes and chapter nine. So if you, you, you know, let your moment to turn that up. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and <clears throat> verse 4 tells us this. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. You know, if you're alive, there's hope. A living dog is better than a dead lion. That's true. Um, the, the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. They're quite quite clear words, aren't they? But you know, there's no thought when you die. Your your thoughts um, die. That there's no thought in the grave. There's there's no love. There's nothing there at all um, when you die. And that's a clear teaching of the death state when, when you when you're dead. Um, that 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 is the the Bible teaching. Um, and, and that's really what, what when we re read about hell in the Bible, that's what, what hell is about. It's about the grave and it's this state when where you die and, and there's no thought at all. OK, so um, one other passage I'd like us to turn to in this little bit is um, James chapter one. It's after the book of Hebrews in, in the New Testament. And there's some few um, important verses here as well, just to help us understand and a bit more about sin and death. <coughs> and it sort of hints at a glimmer of some hope here. In verse 12 of James chapter 1, we read this. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Um, in, in, important verse there. But if you just see um, this little diagram, that, that really explains what we've just read there. There's, there's two options here. Um, there's... Um, a, a situation where, you know, if you're tried or tempted, you know, we, we read in the Garden of Eden, there was a command um, and there was a commandment not to um, eat of the tree. Um, yeah, um, Eve and, and then Adam, they were enticed and they broke that commandment and it resulted in sin and it resulted in death. So that pattern right at the beginning in Genesis is a pattern for everything later. If there's something that God tells us to do and if we go beyond it, well, if we're drawn away or if we have, we're in tossed it's, it, and it results in sin, the result is death. And as we say, we're all in that category. But there is a glimmer of hope there. It says if you endure temptation, you will receive a crown of life. So there's um, a bit of hope here, isn't there? Um, it means um, there is some good news here that we need to consider. And that brings us on to thinking a bit more about the one hope. Now, um, a key Bible verse that we might you might hear is from Romans 6, verse 23. <clears throat> it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it sort of echoes what we've just been reading about as a result of sin. Um, we've seen that from Adam. We, we die. But there's a gift that God it will give to us. He, he offers us. And um, that is um, eternal life. 
it's living forever. And that's really wrapped up in what this, this gospel is in the New Testament, the good news. And that's this one hope that we have and, and that we share. But to expand upon that hope, we just need to take a little bit of a dip into the Old Testament again. And I'd like you to um, turn to Genesis chapter 12. You can look at it in your own time. But really, we just need to look at um, some promises God makes to a man called Abraham or Abraham at that stage before his name was changed at around 2000 BC. So Genesis 12 and the first two verses, I'll put them on the screen as well. But it says, now the Lord had said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and to a land that I will show thee. So there's a land he's going to go to. I'll make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So a number of promises to Abraham and they're repeated in Genesis. But um, crucially, and part of the, one of those promises was that in the seed of Abraham, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Uh, and that speaks a bit more about this hope. And we've seen how God's gift is eternal life. And we see in this passage that one of the descendants of Abraham, in that descendant, the whole earth is going to be blessed. So what actually happened? Um, if you go to 1 Chronicles chapter 1 and the verses on the screen, you'll be able to see um, this genealogy that Abraham had um, um, Ishmael and Isaac and, and Isaac had Esau and Jacob and Jacob, um, whose name was changed to Israel. Um, in Genesis 3.28, then um, had 12 sons who um, became the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of those prophecies was fulfilled in Exodus chapter 1. And um, this um, Abraham's seed became a great nation. And we read in um, Genesis, oh, sorry, Exodus 1 verse 7, the second book of the Bible. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. So these promises are beginning to be fulfilled here. But in one of the descendants of Abraham, all nations of the earth was to be blessed. And we'll come on to that. But we also need to pick up on some promises to another um, key Bible character who is called David. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, we read some promises God made to David. And David was... Um, the, the nation of Israel continued and then began to have kings. And David was the second king. And God made a promise to him. In 2 Samuel 7, he says, I will set up thy seed after thee and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So this is an interesting promise here because um, none of the descendants of, of David has had a kingdom that has lasted forever. Um, his second son, Solomon, you might have said, well, actually, or, you know, the, the, his son after him that reigned. Well, he had a pretty prosperous um, um, rulership in Israel. Um, we can read that in the Bible as well. Um, but it didn't last forever. So one of David's descendants is going to build a house and um, he's going to have a throne and a kingdom that will last forever. 
Okay, so there's a couple of key promises there, which we'll come to in a few moments, but it's linked into this hope. There's a hope of a king that's going to reign forever, and he's going to be a descendant of David. Um, and now we just need to turn to the New Testament. And Matthew chapter one, please. This is the first book of the New Testament. Um, and um, this is where we pick up on some of these um, characters we've been looking at. So Matthew chapter one and verse one, we read this. <clears throat> the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So you see how those characters, those two characters whom the promises were given to, are drawn together in the Lord Jesus Christ. Quite important there because it shows it's pointing to Jesus Christ, who is this greater son of David, in whom will be the king in this kingdom. And it's in Jesus Christ that is one of the, the descendant of Abraham, in whom will all families of the earth be blessed. It's this wonderful message through. Um, those promises coming down to um, Jesus and just to pick up on um, the the gospel or this good news and um, there's a good verse in Acts chapter 2 which sort of summarizes it and it's um, pre Philip preaching these things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ and they were baptized both men and women so there's going to be a kingdom of God and that links quite strongly with the promises um, to David and there's also things concerning or things about the name of Jesus Christ that we need to think about as well. So that really is what this hope is about. It's centered in Jesus Christ. And it's, it's that we can have eternal life. And it's a gift that God would, would give us if we want it, if we want to follow him. So that's what this hope is about. So what do we need to look at next? The one Lord Jesus Christ. That's the next passage. And we've got a few verses on the screen. Um, but this um, really shows a bit of an um, overview of, of, of Jesus uh, and his birth and his life, his death and his resurrection. But it, of course, it's always important to um, look at the Bible to see what the Bible has to say about it. As we're in Matthew, um, let's just have a look at verse 20 and 21. Um, and we read this. But while he, that's Joseph, who... Um, was thinking, wondering about um, what was to happen because um, Mary was told she she was with child. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David. It's interesting how it picks up on that part. Um, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which she is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Um, it's interesting how um, God's the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, that's God's power, his creative power that we've already considered, is at work here with Mary, who hadn't known man. So there was going to be God's power at work to create the, the Lord Jesus in the womb of Mary. And she was to bring forth a son, Jesus, and he would save his people from their sins. And there we see um, a lot about Jesus and what he was to do. There's a verse in, in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8. Um, and that tells us 
Um, though Jesus was a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered. He was the son of God, and but he still suffered and he learned obedience um, to his father through his sufferings. And another passage I'd like us to turn up here and um, just to prove this point um, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, we, we're looking up a lot of passages here and um, you can um, turn them up after if you haven't been able to get to them. Um, but um, it's important that we do go to um, the Bible to, to try to prove to us actually what it's telling us. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3. And just to point out, verse one talks about the gospel or the good news. Verse three says, I mean, it's Paul writing to believers at Corinth. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So quite quite clearly we see that Jesus died and he was dead for three days. And after the three days, he rose from the dead. He was resurrected. And that takes the power of God as well to raise someone from the dead. If God can create in the beginning, then he's got the power to raise someone from the dead. Um, it shouldn't be something we'd be concerned about. Um, and it's part of the wonderful hope um, that we as Christadelphians hold that God will raise people that sleep from the dead. And then finally, um, just um, Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended to the right hand um, of God in heaven. And that verse in, in Hebrews says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Um, at the time um, the letter of the Hebrews was written, Jesus um, would have been ascended and that was that's the situation we find ourselves in now, um, um, almost 2000 years after the resurrection of Jesus. So that's an overview of, of the Lord Jesus and um, what happened in his life. So let's um, continue then to look at what the one faith um, that we hold is all about. What is faith um, from the Bible? Well, if you ask the Christadelphian that, they may well turn you to, to Hebrews, which um, talks a lot about faith. And um, Hebrews um, chapter 11 and verse 1 <laughs> tells us, um, I'll, I'll put a few different verses up here of versions. Um, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's being confident of the things we hope for um, and being assured of the things which we don't see. And if we believe and that there is going to be a kingdom, um, then, we, we, you know, we, we haven't we haven't seen it. These are things we hope for um, and the things we look forward to. So it's having belief. And just to sort of add to that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse three, one example of that is that through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Um, or so right at the beginning, we read in Genesis, we need faith, we need belief. Um, that God did do that in the beginning. Um, he, the universe or, or the worlds were framed or created by the word of God. We weren't there. We didn't see it. Um, but it's the things that we believe in. We believe this is a powerful word that was used in creating the um, earth in the beginning, Genesis chapter one. And, and so we have faith 
we have a belief in these things. That's what faith is about. Um, we'll move on to one baptism now, um, just to pick up on that um, aspect. We're told in Mark chapter 16, another um, um, Bible verse that sort of succinctly summarizes that um, um, it says, um, wait, what, what does it say there? Um, let's have a look um, just so we can actually prove it again. And it's important to do that. Uh, Matthew, Mark, it's the um, closing um, words almost of the Gospel of Mark. It says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned or condemned. So the important thing there is that, you know, you need belief, you, you need faith and you need to be baptized um, so um, you can be saved. So, so why is that? What, what's this one baptism all about then? Now, just turn with me to Isaiah and chapter one, where we can pick up um, a little bit about um, the need for being baptized. Baptized, we believe, is um, being fully immersed um, in water. Um, and, but why is that? What is baptism about? Isaiah chapter one and verse 16. What does that say? It says, wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. See, stop to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So what does that tell us? Well, um, sort of naturally speaking, um, when we are dirty, we need to be washed and we need to be clean, don't we? We need to wipe the, the sort of dirt off us when we get um, mud on us or whatever it might be. But it's the same with sin in the spiritual sense. Now, if we um, disobey God or if we sin or like Adam and Eve did, then we're almost putting spots on us. Um, we're putting um, spots on our body of sin from anger, um, from drunkenness, from, from adultery, whatever it might be. And sin is when we disobey God. Um, and we know from Romans that everyone has sinned. Um, and I'll, I'll just um, read some verses there just to sort of emphasize that everyone sinned um, in Romans chapter five, verse 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, we know that's Adam. We've read about that in this um, um, in our thoughts already um, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. We've all sinned. So we've all spotted ourselves um, in our lives because we've um, disobeyed God's command. And then in verse 19, it says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So that shows you that, um, you know, Adam died. Um, and because of that, we die. But because of the obedience of one, and, and that's the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of his obedience, we can be made righteous. Um, we can be clean. And just to add to that, Romans chapter six, um, which you may well be taken to by someone that is a Christadelphian um, in Romans six, verse three. It says, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. 
Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead. By the glory of the father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Um, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So, so baptism isn't just a washing away of our sins. It's more than that. We're baptized into Jesus. Baptism links um, a disciple, a follower of, of Jesus um, with with him. We are associated with the, Jesus when we're baptized um, like he died for us. Um, on the cross um, the act of baptism is like a death you sort of go under the water and you come out again we're completely dipped or immersed underwater like death but we rise again to a new life and really baptism is a starting point once someone has um, accepted that you know they've sinned and they want to follow the Lord Jesus well baptism is, is a public confession of that to say well I hold my hand up yeah I yeah I have sinned and God's way is the only way that um, is acceptable to the Father in heaven. And baptism is the start. Uh, and you picked up, there's a phrase that said in verse four, um, new, you know, you should walk in newness of life. It's the start of a journey um, to the kingdom. And um, verse six, knowing this, our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So it's about putting to death an old way of life and not following sin. And um, you come up out of the water and then you you follow your new um, Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you serve him. So that really is what the one baptism is about. Now, we've got another um, um, one of those aspects, the last of those seven to just think about. And it was one body and um here we just, um, you know, it's one body, but we all have a body. But whose body is it um, that we're talking about here? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is writing and the Apostle Paul writes to some believers at Corinth. And he says, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. So they were the body. The baptized believers at Corinth were the body of Christ. And together and members of it. So believers were, were the church and they were the body of Jesus. They were part of Jesus. And just to sort of add to that, um, just uh, the church in Greek, it's this word ecclesia. And we often say that word that, that that's referring to the people that make up this body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, um, it says the cup of blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? And, and we as Christadelphians, we, we break bread and drink wine to remember Jesus. Um, we're not trying to follow our own way, um, but we're trying to follow um, uh, and live in obedience to God by following the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in that way, in breaking bread and drinking of wine, we do it every Sunday morning. Um, we remember that we are part of the body of Jesus. That's what um, we do. Um, and if we are in his body, then we should try and walk in that way of life in obedience to God and to follow his example 
uh, and, and, and follow what, what Jesus commands us to do and ultimately to walk in love because he first loved us. So um, finally, in, in this section, um, we've got a, um, a little bit to think about, about the kingdom of God. We've had it mentioned, haven't we, already um, in the promises to David that in his one of his descendants um, he would be a king who would reign forever. And we've seen how that ties up um, with the Lord Jesus Christ, um, because he was the greater son of David. And he is, he is that um, son who will be the king of the future kingdom. And just to recap in or just look at Acts chapter eight, um, it, it says there we won't turn to it now, um, but it's Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. So we understand why we need to be baptized um, to wash away our sins. And that's because Jesus has um, provided a way that we can be forgiven because he was fully obedient to God. But what about the kingdom of God? What's that referring to? We've also seen in Romans chapter six, verse 23, that because we sin, we die. But God will give us a gift, which is eternal life. God will make us clean because of the sinless life of Jesus. And we're made clean when we are baptised, when our sins are forgiven. So I'd like us just to um, read a few verses in Isaiah chapter 35, because it looks forward to the time when um, Jesus will return to the earth. Um, we, we know that um, from the Lord's Prayer. Um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We look forward to God's kingdom on earth when Jesus will return, uh, descend as he ascended in like manner. We, we read that in Acts chapter one, don't we? But we're in Isaiah 35 now and we're looking forward um, to what this kingdom will be like. And in Isaiah 35 verse five, we read this. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leapers and hearts, the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitations of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. And, and highways shall be there and a way. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. But it shall be for those, the wayfaring man, though fools, shall not err uh, therein. And so on. We can read to the end that the joy that will be there, um, that the ransom of the Lord shall return and come with singing to Zion. But it will be a, a time when God's spirit will be outpoured again and um, the eyes of the blind shall be opened uh, and so on. So we look forward to that time um, that God has promised. There'll be a healing of those with disabilities and a rejuvenation of the natural world and a joyful time for those that have now sought to follow God. So we've had a look at um, those seven aspects um, in, in Ephesians chapter four and verses four to six. Um, we've, we've had a look at the one God. He's the father of all, isn't he? Um, God um, um, said and, and it was done. He's a powerful God and he's an immortal being and he's our father. We thought about the one spirit. Um, and it signifies breath, doesn't it? Wind, um, the mind and the power of God that was used to create in the beginning and the power of God that is before us in the Bible, the words of God. We're, we've also thought about sin and death 
how because of the sin in the Garden of Eden, we all die. We were all sinners ourselves and we will return to the dust. But there is it doesn't end there because there's some good news and there's hope in promises God made to lots of people of old, Abraham and David, to name a few, that one of his descendants and all the families of the earth would be blessed. And we see that in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was sinless and he was uh, he's our, he's the saviour. And um, because of him, we can have this wonderful hope of eternal life. And we must um, act in faith. We must have the faith and the belief that God did these things and that the Lord Jesus Christ is um, with him and will return again to establish the kingdom. We've thought about the need for baptism, that we need to hold our hand up and say, well, you know, uh, we, we, don't, we, we have sinned and we need to be washed to be forgiven, to start a new way of life and to become part of a body, a group of um, those that are together seeking to follow God. Because it looks forward, doesn't it, to the kingdom that God has promised in a time of eternal life in his kingdom. So that really outlines all those aspects um, of all those um, seven attributes. Um, and um, just to sort of finish with, um, I thought I'd just write down a, a, a little summary of that. Um, and um, it's really just um, um, trying to pick up on some of those ideas and put it together. Um, and what, what, do, what do Christadelphians believe? And this is and one thing um, that I've just written together that picks up on the things we've thought about tonight. I believe in the one Lord God, the creator of the heaven and the earth. By his power, the Holy Spirit, he created life. Sadly, the first man, Adam, disobeyed God and as a result had to die. We are born in Adam and will die because of our sins. However, the Lord Jesus Christ was fully obedient to God and gave his sinless life as a sacrifice for our sins. We can have our sins washed through baptism if we believe and have faith in God. God gave the, the spirit gifts to enable the spreading of the good news through speaking in different languages, miracles and healing. Now we have the Bible, the God-breathed word to guide us. God's promises to Abraham and King David provides a hope that all people would be blessed through one of their descendants. Jesus is that promised descendant and the rightful king who will rule the earth when he returns from heaven. Prior to his return, I seek to follow Jesus and have been baptised into his name. God has placed me in fellowship with a group of brothers and sisters in Christ called the Christadelphians who believe true Bible teachings and are united in the body of Jesus. We read and study God's word for guidance and try individually and collectively to walk in love and a way of life that pleases God. And I await his kingdom to come on earth. Thank you. Mm -hmm.